Numbers 11, 1 to 15. 11, 1 to 15. Joseph had brought his family down to, to Egypt. Do you remember the story of Joseph so well? He was sold by his brothers as, uh, down into Egypt and he went down there and he, he had a lot of adventures and eventually he, he became second in command to the whole of Egypt. And then he brought his family down because there was a famine in Canaan and he brought his family down into Egypt. Perhaps his family should never have gone down into Egypt. You see, God had said to Abraham a way back that he would give them the land of Canaan. And he had brought Abraham into the land of Canaan. And Abraham's descendants had lived there until Joseph's father came down with Joseph down into Egypt. It was lack of faith, wasn't it? Perhaps they should never have, have sent his brothers down into Egypt to see was there corn. They heard there was corn in Egypt it says. And they went down and they sent the, the, he sent the brothers down and they went down with the sacks and you know the story of how Joseph uh, put his cup and things into the sacks. But it seemed a good idea didn't it? To go down to Egypt where there was plenty to eat and then they would be alright. But it showed a lack of faith. Same as Abraham. Abraham, when he uh, went through the land, he came to Bethel, and there was a famine. And he went down into Egypt. And look at the trouble it caused him. He was eventually put out of Egypt by the king. Joseph's family came down into Egypt. They were supposed to be in Canaan. God had promised them that they would be looked after in Canaan. But instead of that, they went down into Egypt. It was easier to go and get the food in Egypt. seemed so right didn't it they were given abundant food they had friends in high places they were given a particular bit of the land where they could dwell and you know we as Christians find it very easy sometimes to slip back into the things of the world we have been told we have been given promises of God that he will look after us and he will care for us and we have sufficient as the children of Israel had, as we've seen in the last few weeks, with the, fam with the manna and the, the water, they had enough to live on. But here, we find it so easy to slip back into the world. We receive no help in our Christian lives from living in the world. And you know, as time passed, the, the, the children of Israel prospered. They grew bigger and bigger, and, and the, the, the numbers increased. And everything seemed to be going well, but you know, the past began to catch up on them. The, the, the king and the councillors began to realize that in the, within their nation there was this nation. And, and that nation was becoming stronger and stronger. And they had a meeting together of the councillors and they said that we'll have to stop this. Someday these, this nation is going to rise up against you and defeat you. So they, they set about trying to, to sort out the situation they employed taskmasters they brought the whole of the, the, the of Israel into into bondage as, as slaves and they started to make them build cities for the king they, they, they brought in laws that the, the male children were to be killed at birth 
to reduce the population. We know how Moses was saved by putting him into a, 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 an ark of bulrushes, the whole story of Moses. But that was because the male children were going to be killed. The taskmasters were very severe. They, they, they appointed uh, four men from amongst the, the children of Israel. And uh, if they didn't produce the right number of bricks, these men were, were beaten. Life was very hard. Because this king had arisen who didn't know anything about Joseph. A cruel, harsh, vindictive, unreasonable, unreasonable, devilish regime. When they couldn't make enough uh, bricks from the straw, they said, we won't give you any straw, you'll have to find your own straw. They had to scar the whole country looking for straw to make the bricks. They didn't make the bricks, they were beaten. And along comes Moses then, with his miraculous preservation, and eventually escapes after killing the Egyptian, you know the story so well, and he has a sojourn in the, de in the wilderness in the wilderness for 40 years and then God appeared to him one day in a burning bush and it, he turned aside to see the sight because this bush although it was burning wasn't being consumed God said Genesis Exodus 3 7 the Lord said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God looked down and he said, I, I'm going to have to do something about this. You know, after that, Moses and Aaron went to, to, to Pharaoh, things seemed to get worse. And, and they were receiving complaints as well from, from the children of Israel. But we know that God eventually, wonderfully, redeemed them out of Egypt from the wicked king by the blood of the slain lamb they left Egypt and you know when they left Egypt the king of Egypt had no more power over them that's, that's an important thing he tried to he chased them but he was destroyed in the Red Sea that's a good principle for us we have left Egypt we have left the world we have accepted Christ into our lives if we say that we have come to him in repentance and faith and accepted him as our saviour then Satan doesn't have any control over us we're not under his domain anymore but you know we need to get that into our heads Wesley says in one of his hymns he, he, he breaks the power of cancel sin. Our sins and our iniquities, Jesus said, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Our sin has been dealt with at Calvary. Sin has been dealt with at Calvary. And then our sins, our personal sins, as we confess them to God, he says, I won't remember them again. I'll put them, we saw last week, as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He won't remember them. And don't you keep on remembering them. Once you bring your sins and confess them before God, God has wiped them out. And you keep going back to God and saying about that thing, 
he says, I've forgotten about that's gone. It's been blotted out. My sins are gone. He used to sing that chorus, gone, 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 yes, my sins are gone. Now my soul is free and in my heart's a song. Buried in the deepest sea, yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally, praise God, my sins are gone. He breaks the power of cancel sin, he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean, his blood availed for me. They left Egypt, and the king of Egypt had no more control over them when they were in the wilderness again we're in a different kingdom right let's turn to Exodus uh, Numbers 11 Numbers 11 with that in mind with that all in mind let's turn to Numbers 11 and when the people complained he saw how they had set out on their journey last week, the first journey of three days. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched, and he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said who shall give us flesh to eat we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic but now our soul is dried away and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes and the manna was as coriander seed the colour thereof was as the colour of bellium and the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills and beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it and the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil and when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, but Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favour in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? It made Moses start to complain even. Dear, help him. But you know, we'd stop reading there, we could go on, but I don't think we get much further than that. In the first verse here, the people started complaining. Now we don't know what they were complaining about at this particular time. We, we know on other occasions what they complained about, but in fact, it would appear that they were murmuring amongst themselves. They were murmuring away. Things weren't good, you know. And a murmuring spirit, God is never pleased with a murmuring spirit. He's not, he is pleased with a thankful heart that, that praises him for the mercies we receive from him, but murmurers murmurs and complaining you know it's an interesting passage in Jude 
If you look at Jude chapter 1 and verse 14 and 16. And Enoch also, it says, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. The Lord, we will be raptured, but eventually the Lord will come back with his saints. And when he comes, it says, he's coming to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. They will be judged. We said, God will avenge. We read that a few minutes ago. God will come back in judgment with his saints. But you know, it gives a list of, of some of the sins, these sins that these fellows were guilty of, that are going to be judged. And do you know what some of them, you know, this struck me as being, you know, you think you'd have murderers, and rapists, and all that. It says, these are murmurers. <laughs> murmurers and complainers walking after their own lusts and their mouths speaketh great swelling words having men's persons in admiration because of advantage the people that they were pointing out that God was going to judge when he comes back I mean all the others will be judged as well but the one Jude points out here are the murmurers and complainers these it says were complainers they complained against God murmured murmured and muttered and, uh, and said things against God and the Lord sent a fire some kind of a fire some people think actually it was a very very warm wind because it says later on it sank down, it subsided and this is the feeling that it sort of uh, suffocated them in some way but God sent this wind or whatever it was this fire and consumed many and then the people cried out unto Moses in verse 2 they cried out and Moses prayed unto the Lord for them God answered his prayer and the fire or whatever it was subsided Moses is, as we said as we are looking at these studies Moses is a type of Christ the people came to him and he prayed to God on their behalf. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. When we come to God we come through the Lord Jesus Christ. They came through Moses. Moses prayed for them. And God abated the fire. Moses called the place Taborah. Which means a burning. And you thought that would uh, have had a good effect on them. That put an end to their murmurings and their complainings forever. No way. No way. Why do we study these things? Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says a little bit about it here. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be the idolaters, as some of them, as is written the people, that sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of also them tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Neither murmur ye, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, neither murmur ye. Don't be murmurers. 
And some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Why do we look at these things? Here's the reason. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. Examples to us. And they are written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. That's why the, those things happened. That's why we read about them and look at them. They're written there so that we can see by their example how we should act and behave. Not to be murmurers, not to be complainers against God. It's very easy to slip into that kind of language. That's why we're studying it. So let us take heed. It says it's there for our example. And if they're there for our example, then we should follow the example. Shouldn't we? So then we come to verse 4. Just verses 4 to 6 and verse 10. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Who was this mixed multitude? Well, you see, when they came out of Egypt, in, in, in Exodus 12, you want to look at it sometime, you'll see that there was a whole lot of people came with them. They all came out of Egypt in a great rush and a great victory. They had been, uh, Pharaoh's, uh, the firstborn throughout Egypt had been killed and, and they were glad to get rid of the children of Israel. And things seemed to be going well with them. And there were a lot of people who may have been some of their servant, servants, some of them may have been uh, next door neighbours or whatever it was, but they all came out with them in this great rush. We're all, they could see things were going well for these people. We'll get in on the act. We'll go along with it. They were a mixture. They were a mixture of diverse people. They'd seen the wonderful things that God had done, the miracles in Egypt, the, the, all the, the, the water turning to blood and all those kind of things that had happened. And said, this God, we, we, we'll get along with this. Wanted to share in the, the blessings and the good things. They were, they were mongrel people. They had a, a, a very little knowledge of, of God, the true God, but they were happy to go along with the children of Israel. And they followed them. The mixed multitude. And you know, Israel didn't separate themselves from it. That was the trouble. They should have separated themselves from this mixed multitude. They, they had been redeemed by the blood of the, the Lamb, and they should have separated themselves from people who were not part of them. But they didn't. And they started to pay the penalty for it here. They were the first ones in this little section who started complaining. Oh, they wanted things as they were back in Egypt. Beware of the mixed multitude. Beware of people who are prepared to come along with you but are not 100% with you. It's, it's a problem. Beware of people who at first seem to be with you, but then have not any depth of spiritual experience. You know, in Jeremiah 5.26 is a verse, For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait, as he that setteth snares set a trap. They catch men. 
We have said so often, Paul, when he was leaving Ephesus, he'd been with the people in Ephesus for quite a long time, and he says, but you know, even after when I leave, there are going to be people, wolves, he said, are going to come in and attack the flock. Separate yourselves. Jesus said, Jesus says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. That's what this mixed multitude was. They were a danger to the children of Israel. And you know the problem was. They hankered after Egypt. They hankered after Egypt. They forgot all about the taskmasters. They forgot all about the fact that their children were being killed. The children of Israel began to hanker after Egypt. They oh, they said in verse 6. Verse 5. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Oh, I wish we could get back to Egypt. We had a great time in Egypt. Things were really good. We had plenty to eat. We, you know, things weren't all that bad. What were they talking about? They were talking about things which were of no real concern to their life. They wanted to get back to the taskmasters. They forgot about that. They forgot that their children were being killed. They had this hankering to get back to Egypt. The holy food that God had given them and the, the miraculous water that he had given them to drink wasn't sufficient for them now. They wanted to get back to the melons and the garlics of Egypt. You know, that's a solemn message for us, isn't it? Do you hanker after the garlic in Egypt? You know, you've been saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told to separate ourselves. Ah, I wish I was back in Egypt. If I could just be in the world for another couple of weeks. If I could go and really enjoy myself. That's what we're saying. I could just enjoy myself. You know, it's not right that we just have to to, to, to to live this life of separation. Let's get back and live under Satan's regime for a while. Get back to the melons and the cucumbers and the garlic. The only food for the soul is what we get from the word of God. The world cannot provide spiritual food for you and me. We may hanker for the pleasures of sin, but they do not satisfy. There are pleasures in sin. It says it. The pleasures, Moses he, he forewent all being a prince of Egypt. He was, he was in the royal palace. He couldn't have had a better life probably. But he gave that all up. He chose that rather than the pleasures of sin for a season. And you don't go to verse 10. Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses was also displeased. Wouldn't you be if you were Moses? You'd, you'd done all the, 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 the work and got the things all ready for these people. They had the pillar of cloud to guide them and lead them. They had the presence of God there. 
and they wanted to get back to Egypt. What does the psalmist say? Who satisfies, we read this last week, who satisfies thy mouth with good things. God is sufficient for you and for me. He will satisfy you. He satisfieth the hungry soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You know, it's the very last passage in, in Isaiah 55. Ho everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Come, it's free. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. It's free. Freely there for you and for me. It says, wherefore do you spend your money on that which is not bread and thy labours on that which satisfieth not wherefore do you spend your money on that this this is what God is supplying for us the bread of life it costs the son of God his life but to you it's free wherefore do you spend money on that which is not bread and thy labours on that which satisfieth not hearken diligently unto me eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you God says that if we come to him and come in simple faith and accept Christ as our saviour he make a covenant with us we have eternal life it's not something we're going to get in the future we just talked about that last night. It's here and now. John wrote his epistle. And he says, I'm writing this epistle that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Not something you're going to get in the future. It's you have it. Now. And then they said in, in, in verse, uh, where is it? Oh yes, verse, verse 6. It says, our soul is dried away. Our soul is dried away and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Dried away. Do you feel dried up this morning? Do you, is your spiritual life dry? Because we're not feeding on the bread of life and drinking of the water of life. We're feeding on the world's food and it'll dry us up. We'd be dried up like an old prune. You need to realize he alone can satisfy the hungry soul. And you know the thing is, the bit that struck me too in verse 10, was every man in the door of his tent. Every man in the door of his tent. They were all standing there in the doors of their tent moaning away. And the whole, their family heard this. There was no shame. They were publicly complaining against God and influencing their families. That's the sad thing. Oh, you know, we, we all influence people. We'll be held accountable as to, 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 for those whom God has placed in our families and in our churches and in our, our sphere of service. You know, I was thinking this week as to how standards have slipped in, in, in the world. 
standards have slipped. All around us we see that stand, standards have slipped. The, the, the way we talk about people in authority and the way we act and behave, the world's becoming loud and, 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 and hard and harsh. We all realize this, don't we? Things are, are, are coarse. There's a coarseness now. And even with Christians, things that Christians would not have done 20 years ago are now commonplace. There's a, there's a slipping, constant slipping of standards. Gracious behavior has become uncommon in the world and even in Christian circles. And this is mainly because of our associations with the mixed multitude. We haven't separated ourselves. We, we have the, we've taken on the attitudes of the world into the church. There's, a, there's an interesting verse actually in 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. It was an interesting verse. I, I, I hadn't noticed it before. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So, we, you know, if we're mixing with the wrong people, then our, our manners are affected. Colossians. Paul writing, he says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And when they saw Jesus in chapter 4 of Luke, it says, all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. That's how Jesus was recognized, by gracious words. Have we recognized in the world by our gracious words? And you know, this was also in the Psalms. That Psalm we read last week, Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And Peter, when he was writing his letters, it says, Grow in grace, graciousness. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's not mix, get mixed up with the mixed multitude. Because if we do, we'll be dragged back into the world. We'll be led to complain and, and become murmurers. You know, just finally. The New Testament teaches that Christians are dead to the world dead to the world not only to, to, to certain aspects of the world like the grosser things in the world we should be dead to the world in all its aspects dead to the world what has a dead man got to do with the world's politics, for instance. Dead man has no interest in the world's politics. What has a dead man got to do with the world's pleasures? He, he should have no interest in them. You're dead. You should be dead to the world. As Jesus was sent into the world, so, so we've been sent into the world. What does he do with the world's politics? He had nothing to do with the world's politics. He paid taxes. We should pay taxes. <laughs> he obeyed the authorities. 
we should obey the authorities. He suffered under the authority of the world. And so perhaps we will have to suffer someday. I, I was listening to the, the Sunday program today and there are millions of Christians suffering throughout the world. We're very fortunate here. We don't suffer. But someday perhaps we might suffer for our beliefs. We are taught to be Paul writing, he says, be subject to the powers in this world. Now he was writing under a severe regime. He was writing to the Romans. And the Christians in Rome were suffering. You can say that again. But we're never to wield that power. We are citizens of heaven. That's the thing. We're citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this earth. We're not of the world. It's hard to, to get that into our heads. Christ's resurrection brought us that citizenship. When Christ rose from the dead and we became Christians, our life is hid in Christ, in God. We are in Christ and he is seated in heaven. So in theory, we are seated in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Finally, just it says, we should set our affections on things above, not on things in the earth. And we could do that. We wouldn't get involved with the mixed multitude. We wouldn't have all the difficulties that the children of Israel suffered. We wouldn't become murmurers and moaners and complainers we become encouragers. we become citizens really of heaven. We should set our affections on things above and not on things in the earth. Amen.